Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome to another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage and tonight we will finish our study on the life of Joseph and frankly I'm a little bit sad about it. As always if you want to join our conversation tonight or if you'd like someone to pray with we have call screeners standing by at 929-333. 3739. I want to give a shout out to Jihan, my landlord, who told me that she was listening this evening. Hey, Jihan. And also Leanne, a radio listener who came to our church service today. And when I introduced myself to Leanne, she told me that I looked just like I sounded. So I'll take that as a compliment, Leanne. Uh, Pastor Matt. No, wait, Michael. Wait, wait. You're what? sad every time we finish a series. I every am, time. I when when we finished oh. Revelation, you were sad. When we finished. The the creation series you were said now, oh, Joseph, yeah, but that true. means you're just enjoying I am. the study. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one's particularly tough. Though, oh, oh okay. Joseph dies at the end, so. Oh, well, sad. we're not really going to talk about his okay, dying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pastor Matt, I, we got a call this week, though, on our um, answering service, and somebody asked, when does our church start singing Christmas music? So it's not even Thanksgiving quite yet, but somebody wanted to know about Christmas carols. Now. So, now, yeah. <laughs> as <laughs> soon as today. The, after today's service, we begin singing pretty much. Well, maybe after next Sunday. Okay. You know, because this coming Sunday is really the Thanksgiving weekend. Right. Yeah. And so we'll we'll sing probably Thanksgiving songs. December. 4th, and then maybe. right after when we go into December, the whole month of December, we start singing. Uh, All right. Christ, I'm going to hold you song. to it. I'm going to hold you right. to it. That's and, right. And Micah, December is such going to be such a great month because Christmas falls on. Sunday this year, so yeah. we're going to be in church. We again invite our listeners out yeah. for cr- our Christmas Day service. Christmas Day, yep. We're just going to have the 11 o'clock service that day, but come on out and worship Jesus and go spend the day with your family. But then our special service on the 18th. Yes, so we have a mini Christmas cantata That's on right. the 18th. So we've been practicing. Our choir has been practicing. We're gonna have a. Great we have time. awesome musicians who are yeah. teaching us yeah. <laughs> to, how to how to sing, yeah. and it's gonna be a beautiful medley of Christmas songs that the choir will be singing. And then after the service, there's gonna be pizza, pizza and wings. And wings. Yeah, that's We're gonna have a little a simple Christmassy <laughs> celebration. Good, yeah. So uh, listeners, come on out. That's December 18th. We've been telling you if, if, about our Thanksgiving feast. That was today. You missed it if you didn't come. But they can come December 18th. We'd love to have our listeners come. And it's great to have with us once again our dear friends, longtime faithful servants of heritage, Edgar and Anna Londonio. Edgar and Anna, thank you once again for being with us here tonight. Hello. It's It's our pleasure. God bless yes, you guys. It's a pleasure to be here again. We've known each other a few years, I guess, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> I still remember when you first came to our church back in 1996. And coming from a Roman Catholic background, coming to our 
little church meeting up there in one room of the YMCA. Yeah. Yes. Not exactly an impressive place. No. But you guys, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But but you guys probably were a little apprehensive, but God worked in your heart. Yes. That and was answered to prayer. We were yeah. praying for God to lead us to the right church. And we visited a few Catholic churches before getting to Heritage. And uh, we didn't feel in our hearts that that was the right place until we went to visit Heritage. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're so thankful for you all these years being with us. And we're looking forward to our program here tonight. Now, we're going to have the last study of the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. So we will read the entire chapter, and the program is going to focus especially on verse 10, where Joseph, or verse 20 of Genesis 50, verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, Joseph says, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So life is an adventure in adversity. In other words, an adventure through trials where yeah. people might think evil things about us mm -hmm. and work evil toward us yeah. as they did with Joseph. Mm -hmm. But God can always work it out for Amen. good. Yeah. So that's the adventurous journey of adversity. We'll look at it tonight. Let's start it out. And uh, Brother Edgar, if you could start us off in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 1. Yes. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father, according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And all the house of Joseph, and his brethren, and his father's house, only the, their little ones, and their flocks, and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And they came to the thresh floor of Atat, which is beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Therefore, the name of it was called Abelmiz. Raim, which is beyond the Jordan, and his son and his sons did unto him according as he commanded them, for his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the mill, the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burying, a burying place of Ephraim the Hittite from Marm. 
And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father, after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept and they spake unto, as when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Mm. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived an hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Okay, that's the end of the book of Genesis. And Brother Edgar, if you could please pray for us as we yes. begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we are uh, in the radio. We thank you for uh, being able to uh, come back with this uh, program that we had in the past. And by your grace, we are here again. And we ask you to please bless every listener mm. uh, that are in front of the radio out there on whatever way he's tuning in, that you will uh, bless uh, these people as, yes. fa- as well as us, that now we are uh, closing this chapter of the, lo- the life of Joseph. Please help us to find uh, examples for us to implement in our life of the good things, the many, many good things that Joseph did. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Micah, I do have a regret about this study that we've done in Joseph. Oh, yeah? Well, you know what it is? (laughs) No. What is it? (laughs) We have not. I should say I have not emphasized, I don't even think one time, the theme, so to speak, but uh, the theme of this series, which is living in the powder keg of pressure. It's on our outline. I mean, it's in the outline. Living in the powder keg. Of pressure. This was really Joseph's life, but yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. emphasized that theme. But really, as we come to the end of this, of of his life tonight, I want to just kind of emphasize that mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. That Joseph has lived his entire existence, it yeah. seems, really mm-hmm. under pressure. Under pressure yeah. But mm-hmm. God has been with him, and in this journey of trial and adversity. So here we come into Genesis chapter fifty, verse one. And here is this great man of God. He's dead. Yeah. Jacob, the spirit, has left him. Mm-hmm. He has yielded up the ghost. It says in the last verse of chapter 49. So as Joseph falls upon his father, this man who wrestled with the pre-incarnate Christ, mm-hmm. he now lies completely still. Mm-hmm. Death's coldness 
is creeping through his old and gnarled limbs. And Joseph weeps warm tears on his cold flesh. And what I think of Joseph, I mean, what would have been going through his mind at this moment? Mm -hmm. I just think... I mean, when when loved ones die like this, Mm -hmm. you're just flooded with memories, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think all the memories of living in that powder keg, the early days when he was hated when he was 17, when he told the dreams he was hated even more, when he was thrown into a pit and sold as a slave, that probably all just passed through his mind. When he was when he was in Egypt and then he was blessed in Egypt in Potiphar's house and then falsely accused and thrown into prison, mm. probably he thought of that. Everything that has gone th- through his life in this powder keg of pressure when he was forgotten there in that Egyptian prison by the the butler who didn't remember him, mm. but then he was brought before Pharaoh, interpreted his dreams. Then his family comes before him, and through his, his plan, he was able to reconcile with his brothers, mm. and now he's weeping over his father. Yeah, wow. His whole life flashed before him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and he, and he knows he has to care for his father's body. Mm-hmm. And in that culture, in, in they, they embalmed the bodies, yeah. and so... They went through 40 days, it says, right? 40 days. Wow, mm-hmm. that's quite a while for, yeah. for a dead body to be out of the grave, right? <laughs> so they, they must have known what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But then they did quite an inconvenient thing with the body. They took it all the way out of Egypt and brought his body all the way back to the promised land. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't put it on a train. <laughs> I mean, they had to carry it through, you know, a caravan of, of slow-moving animals, you know, in a wagon of some kind, but it just shows us the importance of caring for the body of our loved ones who have passed away. So I think, let's just talk about this, because really the first 14 verses or so of this chapter is really just the, uh, the care for Jacob's body and its burial. And I know you had visited the burial site. Did you, did yeah. you, did you go to that cave of Machpelah? Yeah. Uh, I, so I mentioned that, we, we um, talked about that a yeah, little last and, week. And Jacob, I saw the monument that's over Jacob's, where Jacob is laid, and Leah, and mm-hmm. Jacob's brother Esau is right. in there. I didn't know that. Esau was there, too. Yeah, and it was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you've you seen this, and so it's real history. Real history. I yeah. mean, this is, this is like 4,000 years ago. Yeah. And yet there's his burial site still. We know where... Yeah where uh, Jacob's body is? Yeah, and it's interesting. I was looking at a diagram of it even just a couple days ago where, yes, there's a monument that are on the ground level, but then I was looking at the caves. They go underneath, and a human being would have to literally, like, crawl underneath to go where they actually laid the bones. Mm. So it's just, it's amazing that it is real history. It's not something that's made up. It's a real place. Nobody really even debates it. That's the place. Yeah. So people do often ask me this question, especially in our day and age of cremating their loved ones or burying, you know, what should I do? So why don't we even just kind of talk about that this for a moment? Uh, how can this passage guide us to the best way to care for the body of our loved ones who have passed from this life? And Edgar, why don't we uh, start with you? Yes, yes. I, uh, you mentioned something, and is that in, in this culture, that's what, uh, how it was supposed to be done. The, the body it took, was taken uh, because he wanted to be buried in that specific cave. And I'm thinking we are in New York City, which is a city of uh, people from all over the world, Mm -hmm. and there are different ways of handling this. Like in my country, Colombia, uh, before you used to get a plot that was bought uh, up to perpetuity, 
perpetuity. perpetuity. Mm -hmm. They changed that later, and then it was only for 10 years. After the 10 years, you have to do exhumation and, and move the, the, the remains. And now it's only five years. After oh, wow. five years, you have to take the remains and bring huh. them to another place. Yeah. So. It's, uh, it is uh, like you're thinking, okay, I'm dead now, I'm going to be resting, and, and sometimes it's not such thing. It mm. depends how the, the culture mm. handles this. Mm. Yeah, I see. Um, based on this passage, though, what I often do tell people, quite frankly, is the biblical way to go about and caring for the best. I mean, to me, the, the, the biblical way is to, to bury people mm -hmm. and yeah, to the yeah. and that, that that's troubling though if you have to move them every five years that <laughs> that, that, that puts a yeah. little uh, a sand in the in the system for sure but uh here you know the word bury did just pop out at me yeah. you know where it's repeated throughout the text in in verse five it says there shalt thou bury me um th th bury my father in verse five and verse six bury thy father mm -hmm. pharaoh says joseph went up to bury his father Verse 13, they buried him. So, I mean, bury, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. So, Anna, would you like to add to this? Uh, yes, Pastor. As you said, that word bury um, also kept coming to my mind. And so, uh, when I was looking at Scripture, I found, um, actually, there's a lot of verses that, that in my mind, it touched me, my heart. Um, and like Edgar said, uh, to me, it was a shock to find that out about uh, the way they, they deal with um, um, burials in Colombia, yeah. mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. before when before it wasn't so, and yeah. so that to me sounds very stressful. But the Bible, thank God, it gives us a a, a beautiful um, example. And the ones that touched me the most were um, in Ma in Matthew eight twenty two, and in Luke um, nine sixty. In both passages, is um, they're the words of Jesus. Yeah. And so I like the one in Luke nine. Uh, verse 60 that said that Jesus was talking and he said uh, uh, let the dead bury their dead but go thou and preach the kingdom of God mm -hmm. um, I'd like that um, specifically uh, because uh, it adds uh, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God but in Matthew it addresses but let the dead bury their dead mm -hmm. uh, in both passages Jesus uh, was, was very clear about the biblical way in which we uh, bury our dead. I also thought that was cool because when he was using the word, the word um, let the dead bury their dead, basically the people that are not following him are also spiritually dead. Right. So when yeah. he says let the dead bury their dead, it's like either you follow me or you don't, and wow. you're, or you're spiritually dead. Mm. I also found that very cool in that passage. Um, of course, Jesus speaking, it was all wisdom. And so... Um, both passages speak of how do we handle um, the yeah. the body, and the the most beautiful example is how G Jesus's body was handled, mm -hmm. um, and with such care. Mm -hmm. That's know? right. Yeah, and he he yeah. was obviously buried. Yeah. Can you imagine if they cremated Jesus? Mm -hmm. yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't <laughs> no. have fit. It wouldn't have fit in the Bible. It's no. interesting that you know in these last two chapters of Genesis, both Jacob and then Joseph give very specific instructions for the burial of their bodies and their bones. So these two men who had communicated directly with the Lord throughout their lives and walked closer with God than almost anyone. So if they believed that their earthly bodies had significance even after death, then shouldn't we? Another interesting example we see in Scripture of death 
and burial of a godly man is Moses. And Jude verse 9 tells us that Michael the archangel fought with the devil over Moses' body, and then mm. God himself buried him, Deuteronomy 34, 6. And he, meaning God, buried him, Moses, in a valley in the land of Moab. So if God's treatment of a body is to bury it, shouldn't that be our model? Mm. Uh, the bottom line for me is that over and over in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, Scripture strongly supports a profound respect for the human body, not only when it's alive, but even after the spirit has departed and burial of the dead, as Anna and Edgar had said, is part of that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not talking about anything that affects salvation. No. I mean, we've had wonderful, even members in our church who have yeah. chosen cremation. Mm. It's it, Personally, it is not my choice, and I do, don't encourage it. Right. But some people make that choice, yeah. and we respect that. Mm-hmm. So if you have a loved one and they want to be cremated, then I believe that that desire should be respected. But I'm talking really about what choices we would make with our own body. Mm. But when I look at this passage... Burial then and now is sometimes just not the convenient thing. Right. I mean, it wasn't convenient for them to bring Jacob's body all the way back. Yeah. But that was what they wanted, and that's what, and it showed that respect for the body. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you said a profound respect for the body in life and in death. Mm-hmm. Because God has a plan for our body still, yeah. even after we die. And, no, and the way I do look at it, and then we'll be done with this, this point, but is not to take any act of violence against the body, Hmm. whether it's alive or whether it's dead. And Mm -hmm. fire is an act of violence against the body. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if if I burn my own body or burn someone else when they're alive, that's an act of, that would be a a crime of of violence. And so I just believe always let, let time and let God's plan work out with our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the way I look at it. So that's what they do with Jacob's body. And then, once they deal with all this, though, and they come back, uh, the, the brothers all come back, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid that Joseph might change his attitude toward them. And so, Edgar, what do Joseph's brothers fear once this period of mourning for Jacob is ended? What do they think Joseph may do next? They will think that he will repay them for their evil. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they fear Joseph has been waiting for Jacob to die, and now he's gone. So they thought that it would be the time that he will, that maybe he didn't do anything before because the, the, their father still was alive. But now that he's gone, they were really uh, afraid because what they did was really wicked. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any any good intention on it. They just want to get rid of him yeah. and, and disappear him completely. And uh, they lie. Not only uh, they, they did bad, but they also lied to, to their father. Yeah. They, they, they told him. So it was really... I, I think I, I put myself in their yeah. shoes. I will be afraid. Like, yeah. Okay. And, and especially because Joseph was in a position of a lot of power. He yes. could do he, anything that, yeah. that, that, that he, that he wanted. Yes. Yes. He, mm-hmm. he could have done anything. Yeah. Pastor, you know, when my dad meets with clients, one thing he always tells them, you know, they're usually getting ready for retirement. Sometimes they have assets. They have 
you know, savings. And he tells them to get their estates in order because so often when it comes to somebody dying, the ugly in people yeah. comes out. So yes. here in Genesis 50, we see that that is what Joseph's brothers expected. They assumed that the family dynamic would shift now that their father Jacob was dead. As Edgar said, they thought that their father's life provided them some level mm. of protection against Joseph's possible wrath or retribution. And now they would be at the mercy of Egypt's second most powerful man. But obviously, they still truly didn't know their brother. Mm. And that's the reality is the death of parents, the death of the elderly, changes often the mm-hmm. attitudes the children, the siblings, yeah. the, the extended family have toward one another. Mm-hmm. And, and bad blood that has just simmered yeah. for a long time can so easily boil again mm-hmm. and rise to the surface. And that's what Joseph's brothers are afraid of yeah. about Joseph. Mm-hmm. But incredibly, we don't find a trace of bitterness or resentment in Joseph. And then I really, I mean, it's, it's kind of humorous in verse 16 and 17 where they sent a messenger to Joseph and they, and they said, your father commanded before he died. Your father, he commanded this. And he told us, he, he said, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of your brethren. So your father commanded to forgive, your, mm. to forgive us. And, and, and it says, and their sin. Hmm. So, he, so remember, Joseph, what daddy commanded you. <laughs> you know, he, he said, to, he said yes. don't, don't get mad at us. Don't get it back at us. Hmm. And then, but then they said, and now, yeah, we did do bad. Yeah, we remember. And so yeah. they really make an honest mm-hmm. confession, yeah. probably the fullest expression yeah. of their forgiveness mm-hmm. that they had ever, that we even see in the, in the text of Scripture yeah. right there mm-hmm. in verse number 17. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now we pray thee, forgive the trespass. So there's a lot of emotion here. There's there's that uncertainty. There's that powder keg of pressure. Once again, Joseph was in a, a pressured situation, mm-hmm. Edgar, yes. like you said. Yes. He had the power to just crush his brothers if, if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But that would not have been the right thing. And so, dear friends, I think, and, and Micah, you made such an important point. We need to get our house in order, Mm -hmm. and we do need to write our wills Mm -hmm. because we don't know how much we're going to leave behind. You know, somebody, for example, could die in a situation, and it could be an unlawful death or Mm -hmm. that leads to a lawsuit and loved ones receiving, you know, millions of dollars of Mm -hmm. compensation, let's say. You know, so you never know how much you're really going to leave behind. And so you need to state exactly Mm -hmm. who gets what and leave some for the church, too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't want to be an infomercial for estate planners, but I think sometimes that you actually have have to protect your loved yes, ones from themselves. Yeah. You yes. have to protect them from yes. the, the possibility of the ugliness that could mm-hmm. come out in yes. them. So if you really designate, okay, this goes here and this goes here and everybody love each other and all be friends or you get nothing, yes. then yes. it's going to work out. Better. And maybe there's some listeners where there is tension between siblings and, and people have greedily grasped you know, for inheritances and people have been kind of left out in the cold of of the inheritance of a loved one and there's still maybe that bitterness or maybe there's some anger in in your situation dear friends and you want us to pray with you about it or maybe you say you know what i don't have a will i need to i need to figure out how to uh, get a will and i need to pray about that we'd love to hear from you right now give us a call 
at 929-333-3739. Again, that number is 929-333-3739. These are, these are real-life situations, yeah, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we do want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. If you're in any kind of situation of bitterness and anger toward siblings or maybe just figuring your future and establishing a will for your life, give us a call, 929 333 Three seven three nine. So now let's really focus in on, on verse 20, where Joseph said to them, fear not. What a statement. That's what we all have to remember. I'm not God. Mm. I might have power in this world. Mm-hmm. I might have certain level of authority. Yeah. But Joseph knew his place, mm. didn't yes, he? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not God. Right. And Joseph said, I can't take the place of God and take revenge upon you. And so Joseph speaks kindly to their hearts. He comforts them. And he responds to their fears. And then he reveals that God has a special plan, a sovereign plan, and a saving plan that man's evil cannot thwart. And Joseph had trusted the goodness, the faithfulness of God. And so we see, first of all, that Joseph basically says God's special plan is not thwarted by man's evil because he says, you thought evil against me. Mm -hmm. So Joseph said, I'm not going to take bitterness against you because God meant it for good. And God's special plan in my life couldn't be thwarted by your evil. So what an amazing thing if we could just all get a hold of the fact that God has an unrepeatable and unique plan for our lives, just as he did for Joseph. And so when people plot evil against us, God can turn it out for good, like Romans 8.28 says. So Mm. let's just talk about this. Um, Have others ever counseled you to do evil or plotted evil against you? What are some trials maybe that... God Taylor made for you that you had to endure and was part of your adventure in adversity. Anna, I know that you were going to share a story. Well, uh, it, it, it is more a trial um, mm-hmm. that I went through, but it is the time in my life where I most have seen the hand of God yeah. uh, being glorified. Um, so when I was pregnant with my second child, uh, when I was about four months pregnant, uh, I went to the doctor for my regular checkup, and um, I was given a very um, sad news, and it was the beginning of, of a, like a nightmare. They gave me a, a green prognosis for the pregnancy. The doctor said that, I, that all the tests uh, uh, suggested that I was going to have a baby with uh, Turner syndrome. Um, Mm. So Turner syndrome is more uh, it's, it's a condition that happens to only little girls, mm. and it is where um, there's an X chromosome that's missing, and and it, it causes a variety of medical or developmental conditions, and um, it could it could lead to uh, birth defects and malfunction in organs. Mm. So it was pretty grim. They sent me to a genetic mm. uh, gen- for further genetic testing. And after the genetic se- testing was very, um, they said it was inconclusive, but it was most likely that uh, everything suggested with that in the physical presentation of the baby and the measurements, they said that uh, she was going to have uh, Turner syndrome. Mm. Then my OBGYN advised us that we, because uh, it, we were a young couple with already a child at home that was a, it was, she was a year old, Janina, my first child. She advised us to terminate the pregnancy, and she even, you know, she even made an appointment for us to to do what they call a DNE, 
which is a dilation and evacuation or a medical wow. abortion. Wow. Um, she made it a, at that time. Um, at that time, we were not. I didn't have a saving and a living relationship with my my Savior Christ, and so I was very confused. We were crushed. Mm. It was it was a very sad um uh and it was agonizing. So mm. we went home with that after you know, and then she scheduled an appointment with a genetic counselor who made sure that we knew all of the different um spectrums and the presentations of Turner syndrome from the m- most mild to the most severe. Mm. And so she was also in agreement with our doctor that we needed to terminate the pregnancy. And so at that at that point, we went home with that, and I was it, it was it was really agonizing for both of us. Mm. Um, I was very grateful that Edgar was very supportive, and he was he was telling me, "Honey, I'll stand with you no matter what." Mm. But again, we didn't have the beautiful guidance of the Word of God, wow. so we were very confused. And mm-hmm. so, for him, being a good husband meant I will support you in whatever decision you want to make. Yeah. So I was left very bitter and angry and sad and and just agonized you felt the powder keg of pressure exactly. you were, in the, you were exactly. the pressure yeah. i felt that i it was going to be my fault if i either put my young family through this through this horrible thing that the genetic counselor had told me she warned me not to yeah. do it and my doctor told me you know it really uh, could break marriages, and it, it brings a lot of sorrow to the older siblings. You yeah. could be, live a, a lot life of consequences in are on the table here. So, so it was terrible. Mm. Or I could go ahead and terminate the life of a human being, and yeah. at that point, I had already felt my daughter um, move. So um, when the day finally came, and I was begging God to please stop me. If he, if you know, and to take it away, I was just basically just saying, stop me if mm. this is not your will. Yeah. Um, again, uh, so the phone rang, and it was my doctor who was telling me I need one more day for um, for uh, another genetic testing that we did. The results are not in yet, so just give me one more day. Now at that moment, I felt like the pot exploded and wow. I felt a peace that passes all understanding. Mm. I felt the Lord saying, I've got this. And even though nothing had changed, I felt that he told me, this is my doing. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, I am with you. And I felt the release is not my responsibility, it's his responsibility. Yeah. And at, from that moment on, my nightmare stopped. Mm. Wow. And then, so I told my, uh, we told our doctor, and I was really happy too, because I told him, this is the miracle I was waiting for. I felt that God spoke to us. And nine months, uh, five months later, my my beautiful Shana was born, and Mm. she's my miracle child. And at first, they told us, oh, yes, and and they'd send us more genetic testing, and Turned out that there was nothing. The Lord made a miracle. I'm not really sure. We repeated the testing when she was uh, uh, in her preteen years. And Shannon, there's nothing. There was no trace of Turner. She is an amazingly smart young lady, beautiful and healthy. Yeah. But even if she did have Turner syndrome, God would have given you the grace to love her. And it it would be in, in God's plan because many parents have had down babies like that you know so praise god that's an amazing thing god 
worked it out for good. And Edgar, did you want to share a, a story as well? That I mean, and this is so practical. And dear friends, maybe you're pregnant, even yourself, and you're wondering whether you should terminate and, and, and have an abortion. We say no, don't take the life of that child. Amen. That life is a separate life from yours, yeah. dear dear friends. And and so give us a call if we could pray with you and give and, and ask God to give you strength through this time. Nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. Give us a call right now. Nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. Yes, uh, when we bought our first uh, house as an investment, the first tenant that, that, that we had was a couple that for the interview, they went with two kids. They said it's the two of us and two kids, and we rented the house to them. Uh, two weeks later, I went to visit the house without they knowing, and I saw five kids playing in the yard, and I said, oh, that's great. You made friends already. He said, no, those are my brothers. Uh-oh. So the, it happened that the family was not two, uh, two kids and, and the parents, but five. Wow. And at that point, uh, he said, oh, Mr. Londono, is that if we wouldn't tell you from the beginning, you, you wouldn't rent the house? And I said, okay, so let's go, for, let's go with it. He paid us in advance three months. After the three months came the fourth month, oh, we don't have the money. The fee, and, and every time I visit them, she, the, the wife, which is the one that was at home, kept telling me we have uh, issues. And every time I went to visit them, I said, can, can I pray with you? Let's mm. pray. And I, we will s- sit at the kitchen table. And I pray, Lord, please bless this marriage. Please help her, her husband to get a job. If, uh, help the kids, protect them. And every mm-hmm. time I went to see if there was some money for me for rent, and it was none. Six months passed. And they didn't pay any? No, no, no. no. Just wow. the three, four months and then no more money. And then one oh. Friday afternoon, I got a call. That's stressful, right? Oh, that's a powder yes, keg. That's, that's pressure because you have you have your bills yes, to pay too. Yes, the, the, the bank don't don't stop. Yeah. They, I, I have to pay the mortgage regardless. Yeah. 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 So it was really we were like trembling because he, the, if the money was accumulating, and uh, that Friday he gave me a call. He said, "Mr. Londono, please come tomorrow 10 a.m. I need to talk to you." I got there and he said, "I want to be honest with you." Uh, I do this for a living. And I said, what do you mean? He said, yes, what I do is I rent a house. I pay, I pay three months and then I stay two or three years for free mm. because I know any judge won't kick me out of the house because mm. I have five kids. Wow. Yeah. But because of the way you treat us and every time you came, my wife told me that you pray for us. I felt convicted mm. and we cannot do this to you. So wow. these, are the, these are the keys for the house. We clean it. It's spotless as the first day we move in. Thank you so much. And I said, please don't do it to the next family. But I don't know what happened after that. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, God then turned that out for you. You saw God's hand in Amen. that, even yes. though you were out a, a lot of money. Yes. Still, he, he's, <laughs> he didn't pay his back rent, I yes. guess. But no. imagine but if you he know would stay three years yeah. without paying. That's but, right. Yes. God, God delivered you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. You know, God is good, dear friends, and we have to trust him through these difficult times. And I love the words of Jesus. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. So just because we're in Jesus doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. No, we're going to have tribulation. But in Christ we can have peace through the tribulation, peace through the powder keg of pressure. Mm. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. So that's God's special plan. It's not thwarted by man's evil. Let's look next at God's sovereign plan that is not thwarted by God's evil. And, and these verses do emphasize God's sovereign plan, don't they? Mm. Yes. That, that man 
has evil intentions. Mm -hmm. And so let's review for a moment, Anna, what Joseph said, even back in Genesis 45. We could just quickly review that. And Joseph makes a similar point in Genesis 45, three different times. So what did he say in those verses that show faith in God's big picture plan? God has a big picture plan. And let's, let's relate it to Genesis 50:20, where you thought evil against me. God meant it for good. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor. Can you repeat the yeah. question? Well, the idea of uh, how do these, how how does Genesis 45, when three times it, you know it talks about God oh. sent me, you God sent me actually to Egypt. You God sent me to preserve life. It's like you you tried to do this. Yeah. It was evil, right? Yes. That that you sold me. You sold me, but it was really God who sent me. So Joseph sees the sovereign hand of God at work through the evil intentions of their brothers. Yes, Pastor, like you said, in Genesis 45.5, he said, um, you sold me hither. God did send me before you to preserve life. So we do see, like you said, the sovereign uh, hand of God. And and then in verse 7, we we see also God sent me before you to preserve the prosperity. And in in verse 8, we also see how he said, uh, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but it was God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's Pastor, amazing. I, I, you know, again, it's like Joseph's hindsight was twenty twenty. He could clearly see how God's hand of sovereignty covered every obstacle that he faced and how each battle was necessary, actually, in order for him to eventually be elevated to power in Egypt. And I love Joseph's name actually means he will increase. So God increased Joseph to this position of power. And once Joseph was in that position, he knew to use his power for the preservation of his family. And in fact, the preservation for all mankind in the region. And he had tried to explain this to his brothers years earlier uh, in chapter 45, as Anna had read, when they were first reunited, but doubt had lingered in their minds, and the brothers neither understood the depth of Joseph's forgiveness nor the full power of God's sovereignty. Right, so when he says, you thought evil against me, so their thinking was, we're going to sell you for money. Mm. But Joseph saw past that, and saw God at work. Mm. God sent me. You sold me, but it was God who sent me. And the thing that just resonates in my heart is the wisdom of God. Mm. The wisdom of God works so deeply in our lives, and we don't see it at that moment. Mm. Yeah. We, don't, we don't even understand how this could work out for good. Mm-hmm. But God and wisdom can overrule and overcome man's evil intentions Mm -hmm. and that's what we have to trust god for in other words so we don't see ourselves as a victim in this life because god is in control and what's my responsibility always to love god you know romans 8 28 that we know that all things work together for good to them that love god that so that was what joseph did throughout the whole process he just kept in love for god Mm -hmm. and he trusted God's hand in the plan, yeah. and then he was able to have God's grace to forgive. So what are some other examples where we see God's sovereign plan in people's 
wives throughout Scripture. If we could just hit hit at some examples in sure. Scripture mm-hmm. where God's sovereign plan, Michael, why don't we start with you, sure. of God's sovereign plan th- <clears throat> throughout Scripture where we just see his, his mighty plan at work. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen is an amazing example in the Bible because he reminds us that even a martyr's death is covered by God's sovereignty. So in Acts chapter 6 and 7, we see Stephen among the very first group of deacons accused of blasphemy. And when he's called to stand before the council to defend himself against false witnesses, Stephen, with a face that looked like an angel, Mm. scripture says, preached the sermon of all sermons, which systematically went through the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus. In the end, the elders, they literally covered their ears and rushed upon Stephen to stone him, while Stephen looked up to heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And the sovereignty of God comes in in Acts 7.58, where scripture tells us that Saul, Saul of Tarsus, watched over the garments of those who stoned Stephen. And then in Acts 8.1, it goes on to say that Saul even consented unto Stephen's death. And so this was the first sermon that Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, ever heard. And I believe it was actually a model for Paul's future sermons and letters. And it also showed Saul, a man who would later suffer his own beatings and stonings and even a martyr's death, that believers in Christ would sooner die than renounce their faith. Yeah. And through Stephen's death, Saul of Tarsus was touched, I Mm, believe, by that. Mm. Okay, so, um, Edgar, do you have an example or illustration of Scripture of God's sovereign work in people's lives? Yes, I am thinking about Lazarus, and before I go to that, I just, this uh, part that we're talking about, Joseph, make me think that everything that happens is for a reason, and we have to remember that God is in control. Mm -hmm. So, it's good, it's bad, God is in control, and, and always something good comes out of everything. Mm. I have learned that in my own life. So with Lazarus, we see in John chapter 11, verse 32, uh, that Mary is telling the Lord when he gets to the town, he said, Lord, if that had been here, my brother had not died. Mm. And uh, in verse 37, the friends that are there for the burial, they say, could not this man Jesus have caused that even this man should not have died? Yeah. So then God could have God could have kept that from happening. Jesus, yes. you could have kept it from happening. Yes, yes. So at this at, at that point is is uh, uh, curious because they is like a, we want to believe, but look at this. So yeah. Yeah. they were doubting. Then Jesus in verse thirty nine. They ask them to take away the stone, and then uh, uh, Martha, in verse 40, uh, told, Say I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Jesus is telling, telling Martha. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 43, the Lord says, Lazarus, come forth. And then we see it in verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Mm. So that was the, the purpose of this, the, this situation with Lazarus, that these people, these Jews, will believe on him because yeah. they Amen. saw what took place. Okay, and Anna, did you have an example? Uh, yes, I love the example of, of uh, Peter, in, um, especially when I look at, um, well, the whole New Testament, but his... his uh, the way the Lord used him uh, in his ministry in the book of Acts, we see um, Peter's mm. ministry and starting in, in um, when I, you know from the beginning in 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 um, Acts one, but mostly I see him his presence in Acts two mm-hmm. um, when he the famous the famous speech from Peter where he um, is so eloquent, mm-hmm. which and you know considering the fact that he was a fisherman. Um, 
Yeah. I, we, I see this as a, as a miraculous passage mm-hmm. um, coming from, from a fisherman because um, he sounded like a learned man and some people were e- even accusing him of being drunk with wine. Um, but but he, uh, the Lord used that passage to save many, many souls. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, the, and, and, you know, remembering that Peter was the, the apostle that denied the Lord three times, yeah. but and God, God used him mightily. Yes, he sure did. And dear friends, maybe you're wondering why God is allowing certain things in your life, and you're questioning the goodness of God. You're questioning the wisdom of God. It's easy for all of us to do. But that's what Joseph says. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And, you know, the life of Joseph also teaches us that life is not like a 60-minute crime show we see on TV where everything just works out perfectly in 60 minutes. Sometimes it takes years for things to to work out. And and I I just think of this example in the Bible just quickly as Abel. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at Abel and say, whoa, what a young man. Mm -hmm. He died so young. Yeah. Yeah, but he being dead yet speaks. (laughs) So he died young, Uh but a short life doesn't mean you cannot leave a great legacy Mm. and speak for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So he being dead is still speaking and he's in the Bible. So, you know, even a short life can have a great impact on those left behind, even as able. So we must trust the sovereign plan of God. So lastly, we see the special plan of God in this verse, the sovereign plan of God, but how about the salvation plan, the saving plan of God, where Joseph says, God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. So in God's special plan, God used everything that happened to Joseph, right, Edgar, to bring about salvation. So let's talk about how God used man's evil intentions to accomplish a good purpose, and how God's grace overrules, right? God's grace mm. overruled man's evil to save. How did, how did God use this situation that happened to Joseph to save much people alive? Yes, God used his brother's hatred and even their deception by telling Jacob that Joseph was dead for good so that Joseph could go into Egypt. This was all in preparation. The Lord was in control, and he meant for Joseph to be at that specific position and place in Egypt Mm -hmm. and to get to that uh, position of power to the the redemption and the salvation of uh, uh, these people that were supposed to die out of hunger, but because he was in control, uh, guided by the Lord, he was able to save not only his brothers, but also many, many people in that area because there was a famine and he was, he prepared in advance. So everything was, the Lord was always behind uh, controlling everything that happened there. And you know what's an, another amazing thing as you look at Scripture is God told Abraham <laughs> that the Israelites were going to go where? To Egypt. They were going to go down. Yes. So God had to figure in his plan, yeah. God had to bring them to Egypt too. So yes. it was all in even working through the evil of men to get them to Egypt in his plan. Mm. And God saved them yes. and took care of them through it all. Amen. <laughs> so, Thank you, Lord. So, so, Anna, how can we next relate God's overruling of man's evil plans to save sinners? You know, some, we're, we're all kind of, we're, we're all born into a broken world. Amen. We yes. have broken, we're born into broken families. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're sinful and broken. So how does God overrule the evil of this world and maybe even the plans around us 
for, to, to even bring salvation about in our lives. Yes, Pastor. Um, the Bible, we, we see, we see uh, many examples of how the Lord um, overruled sinful parents. Mm-hmm. Um, like in King uh, Josiah, uh, uh, he overruled the sinful uh, parent, and then he also overrules uh, broken homes, like in um, Esther, who was adopted by her yeah. by her father Mordecai. You know, I can relate to that because he. I feel like the Lord. Oh, I came from a broken home. Mm. I was the sixth child, and the Lord um, overruled that to give me a, a an amazing mother, earthly mother, mm. who made uh, all the earthly sacrifices for me to be here, even speaking right now, wow. uh, talking yes. about the salvation of Christ. Mm. Uh, for my salvation, my mom's story, you know, um, my mom came from a broken home herself, and mm. she didn't have parents, and God overruled all of that, and she became a loving mother and Amen. raised yes. six children. and. Wow. and that, on her own, that is on her own. On her own. Yeah, and, that's a and, miracle. And that is why I'm here talking about Christ's love for yeah. it. Anybody could be saved because uh, she had all the excuses to be mean and hateful, but but she turned everything for good and fought hard to be loving in her way. And I'm sure some of children. our listeners are in broken homes right now, mm-hmm. and you're wondering why God allowed that, but God can work through that and work it out for good. And again, if we could pray with you and encourage you, give us a call at 929-333-3739. Micah? Yeah, Pastor, well, I've read many books about missionaries who suffered terrible persecution, even martyrdom, only to see entire villages of people saved. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. heard about people adopted out of abusive families and into Christian families. And I have friends who were made to flee their countries as refugees because of man's evil plans Mm -hmm. in their home country. But in coming to the West, they have become believers. And these examples are really something that we must hold on to when we face Mm -hmm. trials in life. We should ask the question, is God going to use this situation to glorify himself, mm. maybe even to save someone? So it's about shifting our perspective yes. when we're facing either persecution or trials, trials or even abuse. Yeah, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Mm. Faith is the victory Amen. that yes. overcomes the world. We're in a world in a world system where there's lust, where there's pride, where there's so much evil. Yeah. But it's up to us to love God mm. and trust God and know that faith is the victory that will overcome the world. We are of God and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mm. And God could take the wrath of man and turn it into his praise as we trust and love the Lord, dear friends. So, Micah, we come to the end of this series, and we've emphasized over and over again how Joseph is a miraculous type of Christ. So let's let's conclude our study tonight. I know you're sad, (laughs) but next week we're going to, Lord willing, talk about the I Am statements of Jesus, and it's going to be a great series. You're going to be sad when we finish that one, too. (laughs) But um, as we conclude, let's conclude about seeing Jesus, Micah. So point us to Jesus and how Jesus we see Jesus in the life of Joseph. Sure. So both Joseph and Jesus were the favorite son sent by the father. Both were envied and hated by their brothers. Both Joseph and Jesus were betrayed, mm. stripped of their garments, sold for pieces of silver, mm. and mm. delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Both were falsely accused and punished for crimes they didn't commit. 
Joseph was thought to be dead, and then Jesus did die on the cross, and then both came back to life. Joseph figuratively and Jesus literally in his resurrection. Both Joseph and Jesus forgave those who had wronged them. Both offered salvation to Israel and to all mankind. Joseph gave bread to all during the famine and Jesus gave himself as the bread of life. Pastor, one more quick one before we go. Uh, Both Joseph's tomb in Egypt, it's empty, right? He said, carry my bones to Israel. Well, Jesus' tomb is empty and he was buried in Joseph's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. So both of Joseph's Mm. tomb are empty. Wow. Wow. Yes. Jesus is alive, dear friends. Amen. And he can turn and work all things together for good. Man might plot evil against you, but God can work it out for good. And even as the apostles prayed, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants all boldness. Have boldness to face your world, trusting God. Good night. Thank you, Micah. Don't be sad. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then rejoice in the Lord.